Hey, um, for today, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about um, living on purpose or living intentionally. So if you're wanting to take notes, the, the, the title of my message is On Purpose. Okay? Now, there's two ways that we can live. We can either live intentionally or we can live in default. We can either make decisions around our life or we can just go, you know, just whatever happens, happens. We can either be active or we can be passive about the way that we live our life. The thing that I've found, and, it, and it's true of Cromwell, but it's true of everywhere, is that if you put yourself in a position where you say yes with no limits, um, actually you end up saying yes to a whole heap of stuff that doesn't necessarily build you up, isn't necessarily where God's called you to, isn't necessarily... You spend a lot of time and a lot of effort building into something that you don't actually believe in. And so... Um, there was, a quote that I, there was a quote that I used a couple of weeks ago for that cast your nets again. Um, and I just wanted to start with that quote because it, I'm still thinking about it and I'm still processing it because, you know, um, the thing is, is that when you've only got, when you've got one or two gifts, it's pretty easy because you just pour out into one area. When you've got a lot of gifts, like a lot of us in this room have, it's so easy to be pulled in a hundred different directions. Okay, and that's true for me sometimes and I'm sure that's true for some of you as well. So the quote is, working hard for something we don't care about is called stress. Working hard for something we love is called passion. So I'll just say that again. Working hard for something we don't care about is called stress. Working hard for something we love is called passion. So this is this whole idea of doing life on purpose and living intentionally. Um, if you've got your Bibles today, um, good job. Um, if you don't, um, turn to someone that has a Bible. Um, maybe um, meet up with them, pray with them this week. Um, see if some of that good Christianness rubs off on you. Um, that was a joke. No one laughed. Okay. So we're going to. Thanks, Riley. Um, so we're going to live intentionally. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew 21, and it's verse 28 to 31. So Matthew 21, and it's verse 28 to 31. Okay. Now, for me, I'm a, I'm a man with, um, so just as you're doing that, so Matthew 28, uh, 21, sorry, verse 28. I'm a man of big promises. One of, the things that, one of the things that frustrates Shannon about me more than anything else is that quite often I'll come up with these brilliant ideas, but because of who I am and the way that I operate, I don't always follow through with those ideas in exactly the way that she wants to, she wants to because I'm such a great guy, and it's such a great guy. In a whole range of areas, I'm really consistent. In a whole range of areas, if I say I'm going to do something, if I can, I'll follow through to it, apart from the stuff that I don't do that for. So, <laughs> so it's actually, it's, it's, a, it's a point of contention. It's, um, it's something that can be really frustrating for Shan. In my head, I might have had conversations um, in my head, oh, yeah, no, well, that's what we're doing now, but then maybe not relate that to Shannon as clearly as I probably should have. Um, yeah. Shan's in there going, amen, yeah, hallelujah, brother. <laughs> now you're preaching. All right, so Matthew 21, verse 28 to 31. There's a difference between saying we're going to do something and then actually doing it. So this is, this, is, this is what Jesus says about this. Matthew 21, verse 28. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go today and work in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it and went. The man came to the second and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. 
but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They, who are the Pharisees, they said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. So how many times have we had good intentions, but we never do them or we're intentional about those great intentions? These verses are about living an intentional life, moving beyond good intentions to intentionality, living with purpose. Okay? Jesus uses pretty strong language in the context of the story. He talks to the church leaders of the day, which are now known as the Pharisees, about intentionality. When the first son was asked to work in the vineyard, he said, no, I don't want to, but thought about it and later went. The second son said, yes, I will go, saying the right thing but never actually going to work. So this is the question that I have. When God gives you a promise about your life, when he gives you something to do, what will you do with it? See, life happens one of two ways. We can either live life actively, so we happen to life, or we can live life passively, the events of life happen to us. One is intentional, one is going to put us in a victim like a position of maybe victim state or oh, it wasn't my fault or oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't have changed anything. If we're going to live an intentional life, we need to be able to say no to the world and yes to Christ. Okay? So if we're going to do that, there's some stuff that we need to put in that place that means that we can live the best life. Now, I don't know about you, but I could have been an all black. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that faith, uh, calling her out in faith. Go and check again. No, um, it's, not too, it's not too late. Props, as a general rule, retire slightly later than other people. I could still be an all black. I was waiting for the call up. I think I could make it into the hurricanes now. I don't think I'd make the Crusaders front row, but however. <laughs> but as a result of the choices that I made, i.e. I enjoyed food and not exercising. (laughs) It meant that, as a result of that, I maybe didn't reach the level that I would have reached if I was actually really intentional and passionate about becoming a prop. Um, I actually got as high as Otago Country, so that's all right. That's that's pretty much, it's actually slightly higher than... It's slightly higher than... So I played for Central Otago, which was the only sort of small place that didn't have a Division Three MPC team. So I played for Central Otago, and then I was asked to play for Otago Country. And that was as, as far as I ever got. But there was actually other priorities... On, I don't know why I said that. Uh, there's actually other priorities as well, and other things... As a result of choosing other choices, as a result of wanting to become a teacher, as a result of wanting to work at the snow farm, as a result of wanting to do other things, I never, I never pursued that because at the end of the day, playing rugby was not my passion. It was just something I happened to be good at because I was quite a large unit. All right? So if we're going to live this intentional life, we need to know what our priorities are. We need to know what we value. We need to know what's most important in our life. If we're going to live this intentional life, we need to be able to say no to the world and yes to Christ. See, the thing is, is some of the highest level sportsmen, 
Um, we've got we've got some friends who are um, we've got a friend, well, one friend in particular who just who's just married like one of the highest level um, cyclists in the world. Like she's currently racing all around America, and that. But as a result of that, her life literally completely consists of revolving around cycling. She said no to everything else so that she can actually pursue what she sees as the call of God on her life, which is to to um, to cycle to the best of her ability. Like that's what that's what her actual call is. And for us, when we're kids. I don't know about you, but there's so many different opportunities and options. But as we grow up, as we become more more mature, do you notice that our direction, our pathway starts to get narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower? So that being the case, we actually need to know what our priorities are. Because otherwise, we're going to cut off stuff that we might actually want to have pursued. Okay? So we need to be able to prioritise. We need to be able to go, there's all kinds of opportunities that we're going to have. So if we think of a, a, a river of opportunities, so this is the flow of where our life is going. There's all these different branches that we could choose to, to go. But if there's no boundaries to that flow, it actually just ends up being a swamp. It actually just ends up being a flood. It actually just ends up being something which is not productive. If you end up saying yes to everything, it's like a river going everywhere. Apologies to the Dunedinites. <laughs> See, the thing is, is that it's not about our size. It's not about capacity. It's about fitting into the flow. We need to know our purpose. See, the thing is, is that the devil wants, us, uh, wants to keep sitting us in the waiting room of life never actually living in our God-given purpose. If we spend all of our life saying yes to everything apart from our God-given purpose, we never actually get to the thing that God calls us to. See, if the devil can't claim us, he'll keep us busy. See, the thing is, is that God wants to make our purpose the dominant truth that we live from. So once we know our calling, once we know our purpose, the entire rest of our life can actually be navigated around that truth, around that compass point. If you know where you're going, if you know what you're called to do, it's easy to say no to stuff because you know where your boundaries are, you know which way your river's going, you know where the flow is. I've written down here, the devil says go, then wait. How often is it that we finally have a direction, we finally have a purpose and we just want to get there? I've seen missionaries before that know that they want to do missions with their life. Like they, they just know that that's what they want to do, but they don't, they don't do training. They don't, do, um, they don't go to Bible college or get a whole heap of support or anything like that. And they'll just go. And then they'll come back. And their call might be to be a missionary like for life. But as a result of not preparing, as a result of not training, as a result of going, they're now waiting around because the first time that they went, they were disappointed. They didn't see what they thought they were going to see. Whereas God, have you noticed that one of the patterns for God is wait and then go? Mm, it's good. So remember when the disciples were when the disciples after Jesus ascended back to heaven, he told them to wait, wait for the Holy Spirit, and then go. Now up until the point that they, they received the Holy Spirit, I don't know if you noticed not the disciples were actually pretty terrible disciples. They weren't actually particularly good. 
They actually needed the Holy Spirit. They actually needed something of the, the, the touch and the grace of God on their lives before they were able to carry out their purpose with any effectiveness whatsoever. So you might be in a position of waiting today. You might be in a position where you feel frustrated around waiting in the wait. But maybe God's positioning you. Maybe God's sculpting you. Maybe God's um, taking some of, that, um, some of that stuff away that needs to be taken away. Sometimes it's only in the dry places. Sometimes it's only in the wilderness. Sometimes it's only in those places where some of the stuff that's just fatty and fleshy, it just kind of falls off. You don't need that anymore. See, the Greek word for intent or intention is a word picture of a job or an occupation. So if you do something with intention, it means that's your job, that's your role, that's that's the, the goal that you have. It's more than just a good intention. Intentionality is when you actually occupy and work, when much effort, thought, and energy are exerted. Now, as church planners, what Shannon and I could have done is we could still be sitting here in Cromwell having a lovely three-year holiday, which would be great. That would be quite good, actually, come to think of it. We could be, do, we could be doing that, but we waited. God told us to go. We went. And we're still in that position of, God, what are you wanting us to do now? God, what are you wanting us to do now? God, what are you wanting us to do now? God, what are you wanting us to do now? We're putting God as that center point because we know, what our, we know what our purpose is. We just need to know what our direction is. Okay? Intentionality is... Okay. God is saying through this story that nothing will happen except through intentionality. Um, one of my favorite verses, and it's a verse that's quite often used... Um, is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm, plans for a hope and a future. Okay, so that's a plan. It's good to have a plan. It's good to have a purpose on your life. It's good to know where God wants to take you. But if you never actually take steps towards that plan, if you never actually take steps towards that purpose, it's only ever going to be a plan. You're going to live in the land of almost. You're going to live in the land of near enough. You're going to live in the land of I passed it by. There it was. Jeremiah 29 11 is so, so good. It's a really good point. Know who you are, know whose you are, know what direction you're going in. That's so good. But there's also Jeremiah 32, uh, 31, verse 21. And this is what it says Set up for yourself roadmarks, place for yourself guideposts, direct your mind to the highway. See, in the context of this, remember it's only two chapters after Jeremiah 29 11. Jeremiah is speaking to Ephraim, who once followed God with all their hearts, but slowly began to drift. I don't know about you, but we come through times where I feel really, really close to time, uh, close to God. And there's times where I, I go from that place of decision, I know where I'm going, I'm, where, I'm operating out of intentionality, but there's other times where I begin to drift. And if I don't have guideposts and I don't have boundary markers in place, I'll end, up, um, I'll end up drifting away from where God wants me to be. See, the thing is, only a, only a two-degree drift. When you, Has anyone been orienteering before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone been out in the bush before? And you realize that maybe two or three degrees difference gives you a completely different destination? Mm-hmm. It's really important to have good markers and good guideposts in your life because then you can look back at them and see if you're drifting or not. If you're living out of a place of decision, or you're living out of a place of default. Okay? 
He's saying, Ephraim, return to the place that you've fallen and repent. Set up roadmarks, boundaries that remind you constantly that you are drifting. When you go from decision to default. He says, remember and do whatever it takes to set up these boundaries and limits and respect them with all your heart. See, a boundary is something that you have to set for yourself. Nobody else can do that for you. God can tell you the way to live, but you still need to decide if you're going to live that way or not. Okay? The word highway in Hebrew is righteousness or that which is right or good or is pleasing to God. The pathway that we follow that is right or good or pleasing to God. Okay? Um, who's been to university before? Good on you, Riley. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So if you've been to uni, it's really interesting. At the start of university, um, you'll take these 100 level courses, right? And it's basically the shotgun approach, just to give you a taster about whether or not you actually enjoy the subject that you're going to take. So for example, Shannon did film studies, and I attended more of those lectures than she did, because I enjoyed film studies, <laughs> whereas Shannon did it. By the time it gets to the third year or fourth year, it's actually so laser-focused that you might just be looking at a, a one particular scene and one particular film as an example of all of the films. So it could be the use of cinematography and 1980s science fiction. That's literally a course that you can take at Dunedin University. Okay? What happens is as we continue on, we start our lives with this wide pathway. As we go on, we're going to become more and more laser-focused. We learn more and more about less and less. As we, as we come to know our purpose, as we come to know our direction, we can get to the point where we're so laser-focused that there's not actually too much else that we can do. And that's a good thing. Sometimes we think that boundaries and disciplines are too constricting, but it's actually liberating. If there are no dependable boundaries and roadmarks, such as a map to show to you to show you the way, what do you trust? Who's ever trusted their feelings before, and their feelings have uh, maybe put them wrong? I've had some not so not so fabulous relationships in my time. Thankfully, thankfully my naivety when it comes to girls and the fact that I'm fairly awkward around them stopped me from going down pathways that would have had a direct impact on my life. See, if you don't know where you're going, watch your anxiety and fear level go through the, the roof. However, having dependable boundaries will take you where you want to go and eliminate anxiety and fear, increasing your trust level and increasing your faith level. God, you've done this much, so I trust you to, to do more. Scripture tells us that a victorious life is one that is intentional with boundaries and respecting them will keep you from drifting. Your life and your family are too precious for you to drift. Um, I've written down here, life without boundaries and limits is like a river without boundaries. It's called a flood. A fire without boundaries is called an, an, infern, uh, an inferno. A mind without boundaries at best makes us a daydreamer, and at worst it makes us insane. If you want a victorious life, you need to make sure that you live with intentionality. So turn to Proverbs 23, 19. Is this right? You guys okay? I see a lot of note writing. That's always good. The sermon, my messages normally go one of two ways. It's either note writing or laughter. And there's not often anything in between. 
just an aside. Proverbs 23.19. It says, Listen, my sons, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. We have to direct our hearts. We need to listen. We need to be wise. We need to direct our hearts. Sometimes what our heart wants, if we're in the wrong space, is not necessarily what's going to be best for our life. Sometimes what our heart wants, at the same time God's telling us, danger, Will Robinson, or whatever, insert your own name there. So it's so important that when God speaks to you, you need to write it down. When God speaks to you, you need to write it down. You need to write down... Who's ever had an amazing word of knowledge or someone's prophesied over you and you're like, oh my goodness, that's going to change my life forever. And two weeks later, you don't even know what it is because you didn't write it down afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just me? I know we've got at least one or two other people. Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says, And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. When God reveals something about your life, write it down. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he quoted what God had said. He knew what God had already said. He knew what God had said about him. He knew what God had said about these situations. And he was able to respond to the devil, it is written. The interesting thing is is that the devil actually used scripture as well. So the devil starts with, it is written. Jesus replied with, it is written. We need to be reminded of what God has said. So that's the first thing. We need to be able to prioritize. We need to be able to... That was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah. We need to be able to prioritize. The second thing is, is that we need to prepare. So if we know what direction we're going in, we need to prepare. There's going to be a time of preparation before you walk in the purpose that God's given you. Now, for James, I know that part of his story is that he's looking at moving towards Bible college. Now, for all of us that have seen him operate, we know that he's called to young people. We know that there's a gift of God on his life. But actually, he's going through a time of preparation. It's great that he's come out here. It's great that he's come here and he's, um, he's given us all the... Like, he's, he's served faithfully and he had a crack at whole, a whole heap of different things. But if he lived here forever... That's actually not going to be the. That's not the purpose of God on his life. That's, that means that he's not actually going to go to, into everything that God has for him. That's right. So he can go away and he can prepare, and we're going to get to the point where we're going to sit here in Cromwell and we're going, we're going to have a great time in Cromwell. We're going to impact Central Taiwan. I fully believe that. But we're also going to be able to go. Look at what James is doing. Yeah, that's right. There's going to be people that are going to be here with us for a season, and we're going to be able to cheer them on from afar. Yeah, that's right. And I love that fact. I love the fact that we're going to be able to release, because that's a bit like a deployed arrow, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. That's where you come from. That's where you're going back to. It's that seed pod thing, that deployed arrow, going out into the world, going out into the nation. Mm. And we know he's dangerous here with no training. <laughs> he just goes all right. <laughs> and, but once he's sharp, yeah, once he's prepared, once he's gone through that preparation, once his call and his purpose is on his life. Imagine if David went after Goliath without, without killing the lion and the bear. That was actually the basis. I've killed the lion and the bear and I'll kill this uncircumcised Philistine. I quite like that. I've been through the preparation phase. This is just, God's come through in these areas. You're nothing. Your time is up. 
If Jesus went into the desert without knowing what was written, he'd be confused. He'd still have the power, but he wouldn't actually know how to, um, how to defend himself against um, some of those arguments. See, once we prioritize and once we prepare, we need to position ourselves in a place where we have faith flowing out of us. We need to be faithful. Okay? In Hebrews 11, which is the, it's the, um, sometimes known as uh, one, of the, one of the faith chapters, faith is so important because faith will cause us to listen to God when otherwise we might go, no, this is ridiculous. We decided to start a church service without having any people. That's ridiculous. But we heard God, and you guys are here as a result of that. Faith is important. Faith is important. Hebrews 11 verse 7, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that never happened, that had never happened before. See, if we're going to go into the things of God, we need to believe for things that have never happened before. We need to be able to be uh, put in that place. You imagine building the ark. What would your neighbours say? See, as a church and as a body of believers, we're going to believe for ridiculous things. As a result of believing for ridiculous things, we believe that our school can be safe. We believe that our region can be impacted for Christ. We can believe that um, Christ can move in workplaces and sports teams all over the ship. We need to be prepared to be ridiculed. And the thing that goes against ridicule is faith. We need to be able to hear, oh, you're joking, there, there is no way. That's, we've tried that before, it hasn't worked, or that's never happened before. We need to have faith that's so strong that we can just laugh at that and go, watch us. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. The interesting thing about Abraham is that he had to leave his inheritance to gain his inheritance. So by leaving his family, by leaving everything else behind, he actually gave up the inheritance that the world gave him. That's quite good. I've never thought of that before. He went, he went without knowing where he was going, so he just started. God told him to go and he went, and then God gave him direction on the path. And even when he reached the, the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was a foreigner living in tents. And so did Jay, Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. See, the thing is, is that some of the stuff that we do here on earth, if we work in our purpose, if we work with priorities, if we have boundaries in place, the life that we live might not look like the world's idea of success. It might not look like that. In fact, we might be laying foundations for stuff that we might never actually see, the, um, we might not ever actually see the fruit of that promise. Yeah. See, Abraham in his lifetime, he was going to be a father of nations, he was a father of two, and one he wasn't supposed to have. That was the result of his promise. But was he the father of nations? Absolutely. Yeah. But he actually, he actually died not knowing the result of that. It was, by, um, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. 
oh, there's a word there for someone. If you think you're barren, if you think you're too old to work in the, the promise and the calling that God's given you, Sarah was what? 90s? She was barren. There weren't no baby coming out. It's not too late. It's not too late to, to live in the calling that God's given you. It's not too late to step out in the purpose that God's given you. She believed, I love that, that God would keep his promise. How good is that? If God tells you that something's going to happen, you can confident, you have confident assurance yes, that right. what he says will happen will happen. That's faith. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. <laughs> what a great way to describe Abraham. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the skies and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. We need to place ourselves in a position of faith, ridiculous faith, ridiculous belief, believing for things that haven't been seen before, believing for things that have been tried and failed before. Are you you with me today, church? So we need to position ourselves, put ourselves in the right place, put ourselves in the right posture. You might be living, uh, you might be living in that place of frustration at the moment where you're between the promise and living in your purpose. If you know the direction, it actually just becomes a matter of positioning, pointing yourself or letting God point you and then starting to walk in the direction that he's ordained for you. Psalm 126 says, and now God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so that those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the the harvest. So that those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. One of the most difficult places to live is between what God has done in the past and what you're hoping God will do in the future. It's the place that's often referred to as the desert, the wild place, the wilderness, the place of the dry spell and the drought. Maybe you're there now. When we find ourselves in this place, our eyes instinctively go to what we don't have and what seems to be missing in our lives. Our focus goes to frustration instead of his faithfulness. It doesn't have to be that way, though. You have a choice in every season, even seasons of drought. You get to choose your perspective. You get to decide if you'll complain about what's missing or thank God for what's available. You can decide to turn the dry ground into a training ground, a place you learn to rely on God more than ever before. You get to decide if you will stare at the parched, dry ground or fix your eyes towards the skies heavy with blessing. There's always supply in sight if we train our spirits to recognize it. There's always a way. God always makes a way. A season of drought can actually drive us to greater devotion. It can bring you to a place of asking God to do it again. That's actually a faith statement. It's a faith declaration. To plead with God to come through in ways that only he can. But it doesn't happen naturally. It's a choice and the choice is yours. So church, let's live on purpose. Let's live intentionally. If you're, if you're still unsure as to what the call of God is on your life, that's one of the, you're in a great space to be able to um, highlight or to be able to reveal that. Let's live intentionally. Let's put boundaries in place so that we can actually spend our time focusing on the thing that God's called us to and we're not weighed down with busy work.
You're here on purpose and for a purpose. So let's start living like it. See, the thing is, is that my purpose is not the same as your purpose. Thank goodness. My calling is not the same as your calling. Thank goodness. We're called here and there is a corporate, there's a corporate anointing, there's a corporate thing, there's corporate direction and vision that we're going. But actually one of the things that we're doing and one of the things that our heart is, is that you would live connected to the one who knows where you are going. That's right. And that's not me. That's not Shannon. See, our job literally is to point to God and get out of the way. If people are connected to God, there's actually no need for the other stuff. So this is my encouragement to you today. We're going to put some music on. Um, And I guess the thing that I want you to do is I want you to ask God, Lord, what boundaries do I need to put in place? Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? If you're in that point of um, being frozen or frustrated, I just want you to pray to God and I want you to ask for a different perspective, a different way of seeing it. Lord, is this a training ground? Lord, where is the supply? Where is the provision? Lord, I've been looking at what's missing and I want you to help me to look at what's available. If you need encouragement today, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to lift your hands up. We'd love to prophesy over you. We'd love to do all of that stuff. That's the end of my message. That's the end of, that's the, that'll be the end of the service in a minute. But we're just going to have this time of, of reflection. But if you need prayer, Shannon and I are here and there's some other great people that would love to pray for you as well. Right, so God bless you guys. Um, enjoy the journey as you go on it. Um, May you know the boundaries that you need to have in place so that you can live on purpose and live intentionally in uh, the path that God set before you so that you can run the race with all endurance. You guys are amazing. Amen.